Uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hot Dogs and Caviar. Get a load uh, of this guy. Oh my god, the podcast about food, restaurant culture, uh, food trends, uh, and uh, interesting snacks that we find in uh, unexpected places. Alright, is that, cl- that uh, clean enough for everyone, you jerks? <laughs> uh, for those following along at home, we have Tarver King on, uh, which means that the uh, mood is running high and that this is take six of the intro. Uh, hello! <laughs> hello! All right, so we were going to do an episode on the movie Pig, but Nate's an irresponsible ass clown. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm a total that failure. That's too mean. My too kids mean. have taken everything from me. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we, were, we, uh, we were all trying to watch the movie Pig. Uh, uh, Nate's kids uh, prevented him from doing this. Uh, none of us blame Nate. Nate is fighting the good fight. Uh, so that uh, episode is going to be postponed until next week. Uh, where we will discuss the uh, the film Pig. Although uh, anyone interested in uh, restaurants should probably try to see it because it's it's really really solid and it's not what you think it is. Anyway, uh, more on that next week. Uh, apologize for the delay, but no worries. Uh, basically, I'm just apologizing to John Huff, who's been bugging us to do an episode about this for a while now, and um, we will, we will. We got a lot of content for it. I took some notes. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But instead. We're going to do an episode on a few random things that we had kicking around in our uh, basket of topics for when we need to throw an episode together. Uh, luckily, we've got some fun stuff in the basket. So uh, there's going to be some technical information. Uh, there's going to be some discovery of crazy new food items. Uh, and uh, maybe, uh, maybe, a funny, maybe a funny story. So I'm just glad there's a new food movie out. I know we're going to talk about the, the pig movie in the next one, but like, I'm just glad there's a new food movie, man. And okay, you, real quick. Top five favorite or top favorite food movies. Got to be oh, Big dude. Night, right? Big so, Night, Babette's Feast. Babette's Feast. The um, Big Night. Feast, his wife and her lover. I know that everyone is going to say this already, but uh, you can't fade Ratatouille. Ratatouille yeah. was awesome. It was awesome. Um, yeah. That's a good movie. What's the one where like this... Indian cook. He's in France and he's trying oh, to get a yeah, job. Um, that was the, pretty the good. Long, I want to watch the rest or, of that. 100 yards or the longest yard or, or what was it? I don't yard remember. Was it was pretty good. It's like good. a really, it's a beautiful old school high-end French yeah, restaurant the, and this the, the uh, woman owner across the street. Yeah. Yeah. What was that called? That was don't, really good. Don't I saw think I've part seen of it. Um, Alright, we'll put it on the blog and I'm going to yeah, watch the rest of that. As soon as we can figure it out what that is. Um, dinner I, I think, rush. You seen dinner, dinner rush? Dinner yes. rush is a lot of fun. Dinner Dude, rush. That was awesome. Uh, I think one that one that flies under the radar because it's Japanese and from the eighties is a movie called Tempopo. And if you guys haven't seen it, you need to. It's worth Never buying. Seen it. It's worth Never buying a DVD. It. Uh, the best. I can, I'll, I'm going to explain it very briefly. It's an action comedy samurai movie western about ramen. All right, I'm sold. <laughs> about ramen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got some I more homework to do. You uh, didn't and, have uh, to like text me the name of that Tampopo. What was T- it? T-A-M-P-O-P-O. Tampopo. Tampopo. It's just it's just great. It's the one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. Uh, also, don't watch it with your kids, uh, or you'll have to have, explain <laughs> some. You'll have to have, you'll have to do some explaining. Also, <laughs> the hell with the movie Burnt Man. I mean, like burnt? it was entertaining, I but never that movie is terrible. It looks so stupid. It was so yeah. It was dumb. It looks so manicured and dumb. Who's Pass. What did you guys yep. think? What you guys think of Chef? Oh, I, I saw that. Right. That was fun. It was. It was, was okay. Right. It was. Yeah. Okay. I like John Favreau. I put Chef in the John same. Favreau's good. I put Chef in the same category as Spanglish, 
like a movie that was very much about family dynamic and emotion yeah. and kind of boring and glitchy, yes. but there was really good food scenes. Like it wasn't yeah. a restaurant movie. It was a movie about like Spanglish was a love More story. More about like self discovery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, when they went to Franklin's and got a brisket, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, like Spanglish was about a failing marriage, and Chef was about a guy trying to interface with his kid when he'd really never been yeah. able to before. Trying to they find were family, his way. Yep. They were family movies with food content. But man, Ratatouille yeah. was a movie that was just about cooking, and uh, Tempopo. You'll, you guys are gonna like Tempopo. Uh, yeah. It's right. like, it, it, I mean, go online and drop sixteen, seventeen bucks at Amazon and get a DVD. It's worth buying on DVD. It's completely nuts. Uh, also, there's occasionally gonna be a scene that'll make no sense uh, because Japanese culture is just pretty different from ours. But you just there are other scenes that are not gonna make any sense because they're just that weird. But it's really, really worth watching. If anyone, if you care about food, Tempopo is one of the movies you gotta see. Dude, this looks awesome. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like a really good movie. You know how some foreign films are more foreign than others? Yeah. This is about the most foreign film I've ever seen. Mm. It's not like it's from another country. It's like it's from another planet. Oh, I got one. Um, and to be like, the the best part of the whole movie is the intro. Crap. Now I can't remember the name. It's, is it, it's, is uh, it about Chinese it's, food? Chinese, yeah, and in the very eat, drink, beginning, man, woman. the eat, drink, man, woman. That is such a beautiful intro. Like the movie yeah. itself is fine. It's you yeah. know, it's it's fine. But there's like a but 25 like minute intro. sequence at the beginning that's like, dude, I could watch that over and over and over and over and over. I mean, and then there's like a clip at the very end. Of, I'm pretty sure it's the same movie where she's making pancakes. You know, like for Peking duck, and she's got this dough, and it's so elastic. She's like bouncing it in one hand like a yo-yo. And then slapping it on a hot griddle with her right hand, and then with the left hand, like taking it off, and she's like constantly bouncing the dough like a yo-yo. Cool. So cool. Yeah, it's it's uh, like it's just it's actually kind of similar to Spanglish and Chef in the sense that the movie is about family, but the uh, but the the film the, the the food sequences in it are amazing. Beautiful, beautiful. It makes me want Chinese food and make dumplings like right now just thinking about it yeah also directed by ang lee who doesn't make bad movies the closest he ever came to making a bad movie was gemini man and while it was really stupid it was still pretty fun all of his other movies are awesome including like Bro including lee. brokeback mountain yeah i knew you're gonna bring that up i knew you're gonna bring it up <laughs> Dude, if you would have told 17 year old me that my favorite movie of like 2006 or whenever it came out was gonna be the gay cowboy tearjerker i would have not believed you 2005 i think <laughs> <laughs> this might be a good segue into that. That would story, explain. But I remember, remember when you sorry, told us that that was your favorite movie, and me and Logan would be like, "Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is." <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains your bumper sticker. Cowboy butts drive me nuts. Cowboy butts drive me nuts. What can I say? <laughs> That's what Busby said to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so speaking of uh, speaking of chefs uh, being being ball busters. Uh, so we before we got on, we were having a little preliminary conversation while we tried to put together our, our outline of what we we're going to do, such as it is, uh, which is like three sentences written on my notepad that none of them can see, and if they could, wouldn't pay attention to. That's such as the level of our day-to-day -day organization. But um, we got, got to talking pretty much dialed. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to talking about microgreens, and not just microgreens, little bespoke herbs, like the way that Instagram chefs tend to dress their plates up with all sorts of different leaves. Leaf crutch. Leaf crutch. And the thing is, it's not like the current style of a bunch of forage leaves is just what they're doing now. Uh, but 10 years ago, it was like 
microgreens. And 10 years before that, it was just less fancy microgreens. And then, you know, going all the way back to the 60s when you got a parsley curl next to your half a sauteed fish next to a lemon wedge, and that, yep. was, your, that was your garnish. There's always been Plus this tendency of, uh, yeah, shrivel pluches, picking hours and hours of shrivel pluche. Now, I, I don't mind them if the dish calls for it in an appropriate way, but there's a lot of chefs that will just put a little, little tuft of micros on every plate that goes out. If it's I mean, necessary for the flavor, all for it. But if yes. it's just there for make it pretty, I'm sick of it, man. It's like a crutch for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So so we... Especially younger guys. Yeah. And, and it's is, hard, man. You want it to look cool and all that, but you got to just take a step back. Like the most important thing you do to a dish most often is what you don't do. What yeah. does it feel like in your mouth and what does it taste like? That's, yep. that's yeah. Addi addition. I'm a big believer in addition by subtraction. Yeah. Like if you can find something that you can pull back, that'll make the dishes flavors and textures more clear. You should Now You shouldn't. I mean, if it really enhances, that's one thing, but otherwise, if you can remove, if you can look at something and removing it, doesn't make a difference in the dish, remove it. Yep. Like garnishes for garnishes sake, uh, especially in sort of, especially in sort of elemental rustic style style of cuisines can really mar an otherwise beautiful presentation. Um, and the thing is this, the way this all got hot, uh, you know, it, it all started happening when I think, I think it started happening when restaurants started putting pictures of their food on the internet, you know, because before then you're not using a guy like Andre Soltney, you know, uh, Lutes, yeah. he's yeah. not using pictures of his food to draw people in. He's using the paper menu that people could look at outside on the street and the reputation and the critics. That's what brings people in. But when the, when the World Wide Web happened, late 90s, early 2000s, I don't know. Mm -hmm. This is conjecture, but I'm pretty certain that websites like Star Chefs started popping up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where chefs would put up like eight or nine dishes, not their whole menu, just eight or nine Eagle dishes. It. Uh, and, Eagle it. Yeah. And they would start putting up all these and they would start dressing the pictures up for the Internet. And the, that's when the visual presentation thing really shot off into the stratosphere. Well, like, I think the precursor to even that, like with in, in conjunction with the internet boom was like the coffee table books of the late nineties, like Charlie Trotter's books yeah. and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Fair point. That I feel, Like they're beautiful, gonna, but. This is gonna date me, but like when cameras started coming out on, on cell phones. Yep. Like one of the first things I thought about is people we're, are going to be taking We're all the same age, dude. You're, you're dating all of us. <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I first hearing about cameras on a cell phone. I was like, That's, that'll never last. That's, That's not going to take off. So Who the dumb. hell wants their email on their phone? <laughs> Facebook is so... <laughs> Facebook's going nowhere. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. But I, remember, but I remember when it started like taking off and then you can like see people taking pictures of, you know, when social media started happening and then people started taking pictures with their phone and just posted everywhere. So I agree with you, Jesse. I think one of the things that, that we were touching on before we got on here was like, there was kind of like a two pronged side of it where like people were taking these low lit, uh, crappy cell phone pictures <laughs> of food in a yeah, did you see that? <laughs> uh, crappy cell phone pictures of food in the dining room and then like posting them on there, whether it's good or bad rev review of, you know, Karen or whoever. Uh, sorry to all the Karens. Um, but like, you know, I remember seeing pictures of my food like that and being like, I didn't make that. Did I make that? What is that? What is that? Mm -hmm. And then, I'm, I mean, I also heard of like, because of that 
kind of thing happening, a lot of restaurants, uh, I want to say it was 11 Madison that was doing this or single thread. I think it might've been single thread. That was taking pictures of all the dishes. And then yep. if they saw people taking pictures of the food in the dining room, you know, they would come up and say like, you know, because of the poor lighting and all that kind of stuff, we're happy to, you know, provide you with photographs of every single yep. thing you've eaten. Yeah. A lot of rest, a lot of top end restaurants are just giving you a reel of the photographs of your dish because yeah. the pictures are so bad. But I think well, the pendulum I, has kind I of swung even that's more. Kind, that's kind of cool. Though, overly like, manicured stuff you see now. Right. It's like everything is like super manicured, super yeah. just composed and just tweezered on there just right like but it leads to disappointment when you it find does. the restaurant and you're like exactly. this isn't what i saw on instagram you know yep. you're like, this isn't it yeah well this isn't even close i'd like to jump yeah. back a second like uh what you were talking about about giving people like a photo series of their meal i would love that just because first off i've been to a disproportionately large number of high-end multi-course meals and there's no way i can keep them all straight there's very few meals i remember from front to back I would love a picture of my picture of my entire series of dishes at, for instance, Alinea or or Robichon. I would love that the, because like I had I saw the menu from Robichon, but there's a lot of stuff on it. I mean, in what format would you prefer? I mean, that's I mean, some people might want to have like a solid copy and some people might want to have like, you know, just email yeah, me a, a little zip drive. Or something. Something. Email, yeah. me, email me a JPEG slideshow. And then if I want it on hard copy, sell it to me. That way, the, all the photo That's printing, you know, like because I like that. Like because if you if you're running your menu for a whole season, you're going to be putting up show plates anyway. You may as well take a quick snap of them, and then you know, and then don't and then they don't even have to be studio quality. You don't have to spend hours and hours on it. Just you know, if somebody wants it, just charge them ten bucks. The photo paper will cost you two bucks, offsets the cost. And you know, if you sell, if you do, you know. 10,000 covers during your season, and then you if 10% of those people go for it, you've still made a significant chunk of change off something you were basically going to do anyway. That yeah. would be my idea. Or Pretty even, you know, like the little parting, parting gifts that you get from high-end restaurants, you could just give them a little USB drive with all the photos right there. Yeah, those things know, are pretty cheap. Macaroons or I mean, hell, at, at Robichon, they sent us, at Robichon, they sent us away with an actual shopping bag full of pastries for the morning, like a shopping bag full. It was crazy. Like, then <laughs> again, cool. then again, Robichon's the most over the top expensive uh, place I've ever been ever by a significant I wanna, margin. I want to have that experience so bad. It's not so Didn't bad, the fat duck send you home with a box of the parsley cereal yeah, for the morning? Yeah, so you got breakfast <laughs> the next so day. That's so cool. The parsnip cereal, dude. That stuff was so good. So good. That's yeah. That's I think pain I think in the ass. <laughs> that's why they have stages there. Like they, I mean, there's seventy percent of the staff just like elbow leads to be was like stages, and there are guys with like dehydrator trays with like tracing paper, thin shavings of parsnips and simple syrup, and one by one laying each one out on the dehydrator tray, and then they would to I mean to make one little box of parsnip cereal was like. I don't even I don't even know how many parsnips. I mean, it was like you know pounds and pounds of parsnips. Probably two trays full of dehydrated parsnips, huh? So good though, man! It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're we're meandering around the topic, which is what we do. Yes, but we yes. got to talking about uh, the company that really, really proliferated this was Chef's Garden. Oh, I Chef's got Garden. I got nothing against Chef's Garden. Chef's I Garden. do. <laughs> I do. 
<laughs> okay, well, here, let me, let me, let me, let me say my point, and then, you, and then you rebut. Uh, my thing is, they sell expensive stuff. Uh, is it overpriced? Ah, depends on how you think yes. about it. I mean, yes, it's overpriced, but uh, the thing is, if you if you buy from it them is. judiciously, you can enhance your uh, you can enhance your cuisine. But if Way you find if if you find yourself nope. leaning too heavily That's into great. it, okay, Darver, way too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was interrupting. No, no, yeah, I, 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 it was, it was funny. Uh, <laughs> they lost when we were all at the Woodlands. They lost me when they when they sold chickweed. It was like yeah. twenty dollars for a clamshell. I can't remember the size of chickweed. It's a weed. It's beautiful. It's tasty. It's one of the most delicious wild things that grows. But like, that's the kind of stuff they throw. You know, you throw in compost. I mean, it's like it's a weed. It grows everywhere, and you're gonna charge that much. Sorry. Well, I mean, the thing is, if you look at it, you have to decide what you want to buy. There, there's stuff I, let that me, chefs. Let me, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt again, but like, I, I'm, be, I'm, I'm being jaded to be funny. Like, chefs, uh, they have done some amazing, amazing things. I mean, like, they're the way they grow is over the top. I mean, I remember back in the day hearing about those, like, I think they called them Superman machines or something, yep, where they like, yep. you know, the the uh, the far harvester or whatever, be like, like suspended and kind of floating over the greens and clipping them so they weren't stepping on anything i mean that was that was really cool the way they use like geothermal to to heat the ground and everything like that was really awesome i yeah i'm just i like when they sold chickweed because like that stuff like i step on it like every day every day this well the thing is tk (laughs) you have you've spent a lot of years working in relatively rural environments Think about if True. you have think if you have a restaurant in urban Chicago or urban New York and you want that kind yeah. of stuff. Chef's Garden's a good source. Uh, it's super expensive, but not everybody can af- not everybody has access to a forager. What Chef Chef's Garden does is take all that crazy little Michelle Bra stuff that he has natural access to. He can just send stages out into the scrub with a knife and a sample box and go in and bring it into stuff. Chef's Garden brings that to the city. They charge you for it, but I don't think what they're Fair. doing is inherently morally bankrupt. I think a lot of their stuff is overpriced, but on the other hand, for instance, micro cilantro is an incredibly versatile substance. Like that, they've they've brought a few products to the market that I think have really made a difference. I wish that, and I, I think there should be some more competitors. And I think on a local level, there are. Like we have, oh, who is it? Does is it Grow Food that does all those? Uh, Nate, help me out. Yeah, there's there's other ones. I mean, for sure, there's like local ones like City Roots and stuff like that, I mean, and, and Grow Food. No one's got that. that Charleston cilantro. I have. I don't know what you're talking about. I love it. It's fantastic. Dude, that stuff was amazing. What, what was, it was also called like Vietnamese cilantro or something. Yeah, it's like it. Vietnamese cilantro. Oh, it's I know the what only that kind is. Kind that really grows around here. I didn't know Vietnamese cilantro was Charleston cilantro. I think it's the same thing. I'm not sure, but either that or cousins or something. I mean, absolutely, that stuff's amazing. Closer. Yeah, it's too hot to grow cilantro here. It just but... wilts fast. Yeah, yeah. Detroit cilantro didn't work out at all, but uh, but back to Chef's Garden. They 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 are a place that has really really made their bread and butter microgreens. And the th- uh, the thing about their microgreens that kind of irks me is a lot of times they have really aggressive like sales tactics. You know, when you're talking to your Chef's Garden rep, they're trying to hand sell you everything, and it's just like they you know they want to have a bigger and bigger and bigger piece of your pie. I know that's every vendor. But the thing that's annoying yeah. about chefs, the thing it's that's the hard about, sell. I hate that. It's, and the thing yeah. is, when you're buying stuff from Chef's Garden, you're buying stuff that won't really add value to the plate. Like if you take a steak and you put a big old sea scallop on top, you can increase what you can charge for that plate. 
But if you take a tomato salad and you sprinkle micro cilantro over the top, you can't really increase what you charge for that plate. That's the problem with microgreens is they're not value added products. They're just beauty added value. products. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, so the issue there is that the microgreens, thankfully the microgreens wave seems to have crested. Uh, I, I think that, um, and probably Chef's Garden isn't doing as much business in microgreens now as they are doing in like ch four foraged chickweed and stuff like that that annoyed Tarver so much. But, uh, <laughs> But the Tell the story, Logan story. But the funny story we have is we, we work with this guy. His name is Logan Cox. Uh, what's up, Logan? What's up, Logan? Uh, Logan's too cool to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, Logan, Logan, <laughs> <laughs> Logan, Logan is an interesting guy. Logan is a consummate ball buster. Logan just razzes that people. That dude can cook his face off. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Love Logan, man. Yeah. I've learned so much from him. So here's a, a pre-funny story, funny story. Uh, I had dinner at New Heights when Logan was there in D.C. And, uh... <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, and, he'll, he'll hate hearing that word, New Heights. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he was vocal about his level of happiness. But he put, on yeah. a he put on a charcuterie plate that was probably the single best charcuterie plate I've had in the sense that Believe every it. single thing on it was perfect. There were only, like, seven things. It wasn't, like, a big over-the-top one like we used to throw out. But like the they were all they all just hung together. It was like well composed. I can't even explain it. Um, yeah, it was perfectly executed. It showed restraint, which uh, it it wasn't leaning too hard into tradition, but it also didn't try to get too crazy. It was just the best charcuterie plate I've had. So the server, I assume, was afraid of Logan because uh, to, to put <laughs> things in perspective, Logan is like if the mighty Thor was like five nine. Like <laughs> he is Fabio with shorter hair. <laughs> well, he, and he used to have the long hair at the time. He had the long hair. Uh, but uh, you remember when he ripped the sleeves off his jacket to open a, a stuck can of pickles or something, a jar of pickles, <laughs> and like let his hair down in the wind, and he's like, "I'll open that jar for you." He, he shook his mane out and just goes, "Ah!" And then he popped it open. <laughs> the, the guy's arms are like my legs. He's just jacked. So. <laughs> Uh, so he, I, I told, I told, I, I told the server, uh, tell, uh, tell the chef that that's the best charcuterie plate I've ever had. And also tell him not to let that go to his head, even though I know it already has. And the server <laughs> kind of smirked and goes, oh, thanks. I'll tell him that. And walks on back. The next course comes and DNI started, he walks out like a minute later and he has this look on his face. Like someone just told him that he was going to have to swallow a hand grenade. And he goes, <laughs> He just looks at me all broken and goes, it pains me to say this. You're fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the poor guy. <laughs> so I laughed so loud that everyone in the diet is a Tarver laugh. Like I laughed so loud that everyone in the diet was staring at me. And I said, you tell him he's getting there. <laughs> and he goes, I will. I walked back all happy. He was so relieved. <laughs> so Logan came out and sat down with us at the end of the meal, and I was like, hey, man, that was that was awesome. That was really horrible what you did to that server. He goes, oh, I know. I told him I'd fire him if he didn't say it. <laughs> I mean, Logan knew full well I would think it was the funniest thing ever, but the oh, server yeah. did not know that. No. No. <laughs> Yeah, that's got to be a terrifying thing to go. Oh my god, after. that's the meanest thing I've ever heard of anyone on <coughs> a server. <laughs> oh my god, um, I love Logan. He's like one of the most generous, heartfelt people oh, I, I know, and, and it all comes out. It all comes out in his cooking, man. He's he's extremely talented. 
Oh, yeah. big time. <laughs> and a crazy, crazy food memory. Like I, I cook when I first moved up to Virginia, uh, this was like 15, 13, 15 years ago or something. He, I, he came out to the restaurant I was at, I cooked for him. And I, I don't even remember the whole thing. I remember like it was this dessert course. I remember it being an elbowly capsula dish. Do you remember that glass thing? It looks like a teardrop. But it had like all these components. It was like pistachio and all this kind of stuff. He called me like a couple of weeks ago. And he was like, hey, do you remember that pistachio course you did? Like one of the elements was like this pistachio crumb crumble thing. I'm like, what? Dude, that was 15 years ago. You remember that? Like it, it was amazing. I'm, I'm blown away. I mean, he's a, he's a great food mind. He's, but, uh, he's, he's great. You know, and now that, I, now that I think about this, I don't even think this is Logan that said it. I think it was his buddy that said it. But there, he and his buddy are, are touring Jones Farm. Like, they're touring the Chef's Garden original facility. Just oh, no, on. that was Logan. That was Logan that said it? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, cu- I couldn't remember which, but they were they were going on this tour, and the lady's taking them through all the different uh, different garnishes. And Logan, who is just the ball-breaker extraordinaire, uh, apparently just goes, uh, yeah, I have a question. And she's like, oh, like, the tour guide's like, oh, I got a question. He's like, yeah, what are you guys going to do when microgreens aren't cool anymore? <laughs> which which kind of reminds me of the time that I was in public school in North Carolina and in fourth grade, and we took a tour of a cigarette factory because it's North Carolina. And that's where you take fourth graders in North Carolina public school because that's where everyone's money comes from in North Carolina. So we toured a cigarette factory. And this, kinder, this kindergartner that was with us, asked the teacher uh not the teacher the, the tour guide why they made cigarettes if they were bad for people and the <laughs> tour guide was just had a look on her face like god damn it every single time <laughs> <laughs> i don't think people ask ask that every time they go to chef's garden i feel like it took someone like logan to uh yeah. you know t- tear the pants <laughs> off the emperor and just be like ah yeah. are silly oh yeah they but treat look- you like royalty if they invite you there that's a beautiful sure facility I'm sure it was like a half joke from Logan, you know, like, haha, but also like, seriously, like you guys went full in for microgreens and like, this is a really trendy, you know, field, but you know, it's a, it's a legitimate question. It is. It's an extremely legitimate question, especially yeah. I didn't know about the Superman machines. Like if their operation is really, really suited to microgreens, that might really hurt their ability to do other stuff. I heard like almost 60 to 70% of the stuff they grow, they don't even sell because it's not perfect enough. Really? I'd, yeah. I'd believe it after popping their products open. Like, say what you will about their prices. Their quality control oh, is yeah, incredible. Quality yeah, it's yeah. perfect. Yep. And yeah, like, it better, it better be for $30. It <laughs> freaking better be. You're freaking absolutely chickweed. right. Yeah. Chickweed? I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, that's, that's a couple of funny stories about our friend Logan. Uh, Logan, uh, you're super mighty, and we miss you. Uh, I mean, terribly. Like, the guys, the guys, I seriously, I don't describe guy. a lot of people I know as mighty. Logan is mighty. He's mighty. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I've got a fun, a uh, couple of fun topics uh, to just bang, bang, rip through quickly. Uh, first off, Tarver, did you listen to the podcast where we talked about uh, Kuma's Corner, that place in Indiana that has all the crazy burgers? Is that the one with like the, it was all heavy metal stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I did. My friend uh, Tom, who's in Indiana and uh, hangs out there. Uh, sent us another one that he found especially over the top. So uh, I was just going to read it off. From the same gonna... place? Like another yeah, one of those from, burgers? Or a different yeah, it's, place? It's, it's called the Mother of Graves. So it's definitely from yeah. the same place. <clears throat> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Mother of Graves, but I'm guessing they're evil. Apparently they're, uh, 
Their EP is called Somber Dreams, and it's on Wise Blood Records. Uh, <laughs> I like how Kuma's Corner hypes the bands that they like put on. Like if it's an indie band, they'll like go ahead and try to get them some love. So, do you guys know the dish, uh, the elotes, like the corn dish? Yeah, grilled oh, yeah. corn. Hell yeah! It's like grilled corn with cilantro and maybe a the mayonnaise, the mayonnaise, the, 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 um, the not parm, the uh, cotija, cotija, oh, yeah. cotija yeah, cheese. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. so that was just I just want to make sure we were all on the same page with that vocabulary word. This is what's on this burger. All right, they have uh, it's a ten ounce patty on a pretzel roll. That's what it always is. That's their standard burger, but this one got t- topped with uh, cherry coke braised beef ribs. Uh, Anna, Anaheim chili hot sauce, queso fresco, elote butter, a deep fried Frito corn chip patty, and fresh parsley. I mean, was it like five pounds? It yeah, it was like a skyscraper. It's funny because we started talking about this burger place in the context of like he sent us this after we listened to our first episode where we were talking about how like burgers that were over the top were kind of annoying. They were hard to eat. <clears throat> and then, of course, our burger principle, if, if you take the burger patty off, do you still have a, a good sandwich? If so, then there's too much stuff on that burger. And Tom's yeah. rebuttal was, he's like, no, check out this place. They take putting too much stuff in a burger and they make it into an absolute art form. They're like, oh, you think, you, <laughs> you think you've seen a burger with too much stuff on it? Check this out. But I was, I just I mean, each one of those things on their own sounds like really tasty. I mean, cherry cooked braised short ribs, I'm, I'm down to try that. Oh, you had totally. mentioned one on, on the last time you were talking about this place that actually sounded pretty fascinating. I've been wanting to try it, but it was like if if you've ever noticed how kefir lime and lemongrass smell like Fruit Loops, I remember you saying there was like a Fruit Loop crusted Thai chicken it on was one of the layers of a fruity, burger or it was something. Fruity, fruity pebble crusted chicken parm. So that's a little weirder. I remember that element well. Yeah, the, take the parm out and like more of like a Thai thing. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. Okay, fruity pebble crusted Thai chicken. That that actually, huh. That okay. sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Yeah, man, <laughs> absolutely. So Tom and I got to talking about this crazy Kuma, Kuma's Corner Burger. And then a couple of days later, he sent me, uh, he's got a friend in Brazil uh, from uh, Rio Grande do Sul, which is a Southern state in Brazil. And they have a way of doing up hot dogs that is just bananas. And this is not Kuma's Corner, the bar, being all crazy. This is just like the traditional loaded street dog in Brazil. So what they do is they make a meat sauce. Oh, no, it's a a chunky tomato sauce. Like, so peppers, onions, tomatoes, a little butter. And just a, like, you know, just a chunky tomato sauce. And they they warm the sausages in that. And it's, it's hot dogs a lot of times. Or sometimes it'll be like just bun-length pork sausages, like Polish, but it's always some kind of beef or pork sausage. They'll warm that up with the hot sauce. They'll take a toasted sort of sweet hot dog roll, almost like a like grocery store brioche or like a, you know how grocery store brioche is basically just a regular hot dog, but with a little bit more sugar. <laughs> like it's not, it's never real brioche. Like a Hawaiian? Like a Hawaiian roll. And so they, yeah. they, they spread the Hawaiian roll with mayo, the toasted Hawaiian roll with mayo, and then pick up the, the, the hot dog in a way that it brings a lot of the sauce with it. So you've got this kind of like ch- like tomato dog, sloppy sloppy dog going on. Then they top that with blanched green peas and like sauteed corn kernels. And then top all of that. With I was looking green. at Nate's face and then I was realized that we're both making the same face. No, yeah. <laughs> that sounds then, crazy. Then yeah. they, No, no, I'm not even done. Then they top it with a thick layer of like shredded mozzarella cheese and they pop it in the broiler until it bubbles and they pull it out and top the whole thing with shoestring potatoes and serve it like that. 
So, do you think then, it's a bib? That's I, I street food? Uh, well, I, I imagine it might be like they do burritos here where they wrap the whole thing in foil and you just kind of unwrap as you go. Yeah. Like, a, like a gyro. It doesn't sound any harder to eat than a gyro. Gyros are hard as hell to eat. Yeah. Um, I can get I can get it down. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I I made them. I was I was so curious about that. I was like, that sounds like that sounds crazy over the top. So I we cooked up a batch. They're really pretty good, but even crazier. The state north of Rio Grande do Sul is uh, Sao Paulo, which is uh, Sao Paulo is a big city in Brazil, but the state around uh-huh. it is the state of Sao Paulo, kind of like New York. Okay. Uh, okay. And uh, the state of Sao Paulo, their variant is instead of mayonnaise on the bottom layer, they put a smear of mashed potatoes. Now, that sounds both weird and terrible, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Both of it, those things. <laughs> the mashed potato one was strangely better. It was like a complete really? meal. It was like potatoes, meat, sauce, and vegetables on a bun all together. Uh, and it was actually surprisingly good. Like the mashed potato one was way better than the mayonnaise one. This it's, is all huh. sounding like really close to like the KFC bowl, you know? But it's on like, a bun. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, the, with the white pepper gravy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and Sadness. It, no, I, I tried Sadness them. Sadness in a I, bun. Yeah, no, I, I tried I'm them I'm going to go home and cry myself to sleep. <laughs> so Leave me alone, Mom. I'm eating my food. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, joke all you want. They were both really surprisingly good. Uh, I'm that writing. Sounds, a, I'm actually pretty good, man. I'll I'll a, try it. Man. Oh, I don't. I don't. Oh, hell yeah. it's, it, it, it's it's kind of a pain in the ass to put together. <laughs> like it's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's a lot of components. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, it took me an hour to set up for this, and it's hot dogs shouldn't take an hour to set up. And I bought shoestring potatoes. I was looking at this, and I was like, I was looking at this, and I was like, there is no way that I'm going to uh, that I'm going to deal with hand making shoestring potatoes for hot dogs when I'm already going to be an hour in with prep. What's your like? What kind of hot dogs do you use? Like, what's your go-to hot dog? My go to, I don't have a go to hot dog. I like enough different hot dogs that I like to change it up. There's only a few I don't like. For this one, I went and they had Snake River. Snake River makes a great hot dog. Oh, yes. They're a little more expensive, but they're good. And the thing is, here's, here's the thing. Actually, let's do a quick digression on this. This is a good topic. So they say Wagyu hot dogs. I say Wagyu ground anything is absolute hogwash because. Like it's a in, name. the whole thing about Wagyu and Kobe is it's all about intramuscular fat. It's beef that's treated to get intramuscular fat, fat inside the muscle, not layers of fat. But once you're grinding it, that's out the window. So like if I hear people like, oh, we got Wagyu burgers. Oh, we got Wagyu hot dogs. I think, well, you're Wagyu diluted if you think that makes a yeah. Wagyu difference. <laughs> like it, it's once you, you can grind as much, you could make a 90% fat ground beef if you wanted to. I don't know why yeah. you would. I can't think of a useful application unless you wanted to make prank burgers that shrank 90% when someone cooked them, but then their house would also burn down from the boiling grease. Um, <laughs> once you're yeah. grinding, once you're grinding beef, it doesn't matter whether it's Wagyu or Kobe or not. It's completely silly. Having said that snake river also just puts out a really well-made hot dog. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's, it's not, well seasoned. It's, it's a good emulsion. It's, it's not that it's Wagyu. It's just a really, it's natural casing. Yeah. I like natural casing dogs a lot. In, in the defense of like the, the guys who are raising the Wagyu cattle, like if, if you're doing like a five Kobe beef and you're not using like the strip or, you know, ribeye or loin or something where it had, where it's like the prime prime cuts or whatever, there's a lot of wasted 
animal you know yeah, like yeah a5 crazy. short ribs are you might as well just make a pot of tallow you know like a5 mm-hmm. you know chuck, i 100 understand that i really do uh but my counter is that i would say it's not usually a5 when you see when you see the burger advertised and yeah. it's just it's the way the servers hear about it like when people are talking about how it's a super fatty beef and then they're talking about a ground beef product. Ground beef products are always painstakingly fat regulated. It's just the it's the marketing of it that bugs me. I, I feel like there would be a way they could do it. Like if it just said, it's a it's a buzzword when it comes to burgers. Buzzword. I think. Yep. Yeah, it's it's I don't like that. I mean, a Wagyu burger is great, but I don't think it's anything. You know, but you got to use it. I get it, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm, I don't I'm not saying think it's worth another ten bucks. Uh-uh. You know. Yeah, I think they're making their money off that loin and that rib. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's why I think all that waste is why that stuff's, I don't know, 75 bucks a pound or whatever it is these days. I can't even remember. It's more than that. No. Yeah, the real lot. distinction is in the steaks, like you were saying. But you got to use it. I don't know. Do you it's remember when we, were, when we had that hookup at the Woodlands and we had those A5 ribs all yep. the time? Yeah. I, I mean, the other thing is, like, they freeze – perfect not that you would ever mm-hmm. have to but if you like had to for some reason like because there's Perfectly. so much industrial fat like it doesn't it doesn't hurt it at all you just put it in a dry pan it was amazing mm-hmm. i've never had a snake river hot dog but I'm, now i'm craving hot they're dogs. just they're just well-made hot dogs uh they're, they're really like, good they're as good as what price. kind of casing uh just like natural natural mm-hmm. uh I, I would imagine sheep but i'm not sure uh, but they any hot them. dog with like a land casing that like pops. I'm oh, a huge the fan. best! Yeah, yeah. I, I I can't back that up. I'll I'll double check that. I'll find out what kind of casing they have. But it definitely had the mouthfeel of a true natural casing. If they could do them with collagen, I'm impressed. But I don't think it was. Uh, I once again, I could be completely mistaken. But even if if they're using a collagen sleeve, they're using one that has a really nice snap. They're good, good, good dogs. Ooh. For as much as they cost, they better be using a real, real one. No, somebody's got to pay for all them, all them well, Wagyu cattle. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Snake River Dogs are on my list. But I think there's a bunch of great brands. I, mean, I like Nathan's and Sabrett's. I love Best Kosher, which is just like Southern Best Foods kosher. go-to brand. Best yeah. Kosher are awesome. Um, Na- you know, Nathan's and Sabrett's are usually my go-tos, yeah. Zweigels yeah. are amazing when you can find them, which is not very often. Uh, Boar's Head throws a really nice hot dog. Boar's Head, man. They are Boar's good. Head make a great dog, dude. I didn't. I didn't know. If, I mean, you guys are the hot dog purists, hence the name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should mention the boars. No, boars are good. great hot dogs. Is, hot dogs yeah. are a relatively inexpensive food to produce, so you can make a really good one for only a small amount of money. Like they're yeah. designed to use up scraps and bits. That's like, what the whole point of it was. It's or not mm-hmm. so much. Not so much scraps and bits. It's just cuts you can't sell for steak price. Is what they're designed to use up. And yeah. You know, the, the, the whole notion that they're full of, like, lips and assholes, that's a mess. I was just about to say that. Was the, that from the, Uncle Buck or something? Oh, I, I can't remember. I've, I've heard it thrown around a lot. Uncle Buck, that would, actually, Uncle Buck wouldn't surprise me if that's uh, where it started. It was, it it was, was the, from the Great the Outdoors. The Great Outdoors. John Candy, John Candy flick. Yeah, the, raccoons, the raccoons were in the garbage. Like, uh-huh. you know what the stuff's made out of, right? Lips uh-huh. and assholes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Is that what that's I don't, is that, I don't know that that's where that started. But anyway, that's a myth. It's made of things like shoulder. It's made of grinder meat. It's made of stuff that is just not, you know, easily sold for incredible premium prices. You know what's made of lips and assholes? Slim Jims. If you want to know if something's made of lips and assholes, look at the package. And if it has MSM on it, what that means is mechanically separated meat. So mechanically separated meat is where they take the last stuff they really can't use. And they throw it in this device that uses highly pressurized water to just peel, separate the protein from the fat. And then they take all this basically fr- protein paste and fat paste, 
and recombine them to make Slim Jims. So Slim Jims really, are, yeah, that's what MSM is. That's what mechanical. Like, just look at the label. Look, uh, you'll see it. That's a that's, lot of chicken nuggets are mechanically separated. Yeah, too. that's where the lips and assholes end up. Uh, the uh, hot dogs, <laughs> good sausages are usually made of good meat. Uh, maybe that's why Carolina Pride dogs suck so much. Although I honestly think with Carolina Pride, it's just a lot of water added. You it's know, like water, water, it's terribly seasoned. Neutrophils. Yep. I, I bet you so. that's in there too. I think I'm, let me double check. Uh, I think I might've had to get some for the merguez that I made for my uh, French laundry uh, per se. Oh man. Test. I mean, you that, gotta be a, super careful with that stuff. Super careful. I think the rate, uh, don't quote me on this. I'm trying to, I, I can't remember where I part, left my keys, but somehow I remember like Nutrifos is like a 0.08% in a brine. But yep. it, it causes protein to retain moisture. It's like something they use in hot dogs. They use it at, in the squab course at the Fat Duck, and holy mm -hmm. crap, it works. And yeah. I remember I'm saying, like, if you don't, if you let it sit too long, it'll it'll instantly become ham. Like, it'll yep. it'll cure it really fast. But yeah, it's man. even more intense than Prague too. We'll, yeah, we'll, I'll I'll put a little something on the on the blog, uh, the companion post, just uh, describing what I'll put a link to the Wikipedia page for Nutrifos and. Uh, also clarify whether or not I used it in the, uh, I'm, you need I'm, to put that away with the lie. If you got lie in your kitchen, <laughs> shit like that, it's dangerous. Dude, it's an, it's a friend in of a, mine had like a little container of lye in his pantry for making pretzels and his yep. old lady thought it was salt. Oh man, no. You, I was like, chemical burns. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing, man? I was, I was mad at him. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be careful with that stuff. Well, uh, no, for the, uh, French laundry per se cookbook review that I'm working on. Uh, my goal is to make four recipes out of it. I've, I've made three. So I just got to make the marjolaine, which means I need to find a source for like ground nut flour in amounts of less than a kilo or else this thing's going to cost me 500 bucks um, <laughs> because there's just several the different nut, nut flours involved. Just make the nut flour? Yeah. How do you, you do got, that? You got a juicer? No. You got a friend that has a juicer you can borrow? No. I don't have any friends. Like a champion juicer? Yeah, I mean, it, definitely yeah, don't know anyone. You with a need something user. with a good. I'm too far out of the game, man. I've 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 been out of kitchens too long. I don't know anybody with a champion. You guys ever use the grain mill attachment to a KitchenAid? It looks like no. shit. I've never tried it though. No, <laughs> really? It looks crappy. I have like a handheld grain mill. Like we got like oh I remember that Vi Vitaprep. Yeah, I still have that same one. But like Vitaprep, I don't know if you've seen it. They make like a grain, a grain mill pitcher. It's it's. Uh. It's like a little bit stronger or whatever. A little wider see. base. It's it's a load of shit. It's a load of like like I, it's yeah. still a Vita prep. It still has its limitations and like yeah, it worked for a little while, but we blew out. I've gone through some equipment. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, past owners. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, like sometimes there's always there's always that ground to be gained from asking a piece of equipment to do something that it wasn't built for. Because that's yeah. how you can, that's how a lot of contemporary cuisine happened. I mean, the first person to take a cream charger and put something other than cream in it had a good idea, uh, you know, or yeah. the first person to like True. take a cryovac machine and use it for something other than food preservation. Like there's accidentally yeah. figuring stuff out. That That's a thing. But, you know. Have you ever used a Bosch mixer? No. That is, um, like we, we, we had been just, we killed like another KitchenAid mixer anyway. So we, like we were trying to find something a little bit different. I can't say it's like the greatest thing that's ever happened, but like probably one of the most brilliant pieces of engineering for kitchen use I've ever seen in my entire life. 
the Bosch, just like the B-O-S-C-H, I think it's spelled. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a little bowl, um, and it has like, you know, it has a thing that spins around inside the bowl, but like all the attachments that come along with it, like you can, Padishu is like a perfect example. It has like little scrapers that can go around the side. So you never, like every every single thing gets incorporated perfectly in pod. Like he has like grinder attachments, all this kind of stuff. It's just a beautiful piece of engineering, I gotta say that. Those Germans, man, they're good. Those, Those German- kitchen aids now, they used to make them with metal gears and metal housings. They're yes. all plastic now. Pla- they're actually, plastic, dude. Yeah, there, there's a reason the why hell? they put a, there's a reason why they put a plastic gear in the kitchen aids. Why? So you buy more? No, it's yeah. built. It, no, guys, <laughs> think about it. This it's built so you to break fail. It. Uh, no, it's designed. Yeah, exactly. design, no, it's designed to break. But the reason it's designed to break is if something gets off kilter, it's designed to break so that it won't lug the engine. It's designed so that if the it'll if the break gear, in one spot, it'll break yeah. in one spot that's plastic and easily replaceable. Those things are those things are serviceable. So if you if you have it, if I, you haven't if you haven't oiled it or you haven't done something, there's one specific central gear that's designed to fail to save the engine. That's yes, I think that's smart, but. Cheap. It was stronger before, like it, yeah. like it, yeah, like before when everything was metal. It would muscle through. I've never burned an engine out. It's always Ever. the gears and the gear yeah. and the housing gets stripped. And I think you're right, Jesse. But I, I think by doing that, yeah, they are able to like to to pinpoint where it would break when it breaks. But like now they now they just break. They just yeah. break all the time. And I think what they're what they're probably doing is counting on the fact that a lot of people, when that plastic thing breaks, won't even research how to fix it. They'll mm-hmm. just get a new one. So there's a certain amount of plausible deniability. They're like, yeah, what we did was technically to make it last longer, but only if you think to get it serviced. And right. I don't think yeah. a lot of, I don't think, and the thing is professionals, we might have a repair guy on tap who could like get the thing serviced, but you know, cause occasionally when one gets old enough, it'll need a lube job. You know, like they- Is that they, what a linchpin is? Isn't like a purpose um, of a linchpin? A linchpin? I don't know what mm-hmm. a linchpin is. I have, I don't, I'm not very mechanically inclined. I, I, I could. I remember man. when Tarver took the KitchenAid at the Woodlands and put it in the freezer to make like the clouds, the lime clouds oh, yeah. and stuff. The lime cloud, and, yeah. and you burned it out in the freezer. Oh man, totally that was, broke. Yeah, <laughs> Cherie Don't was super pissed. Ah. Super mad. Super mad. Because getting a new piece of equipment there was not fun. Not oh, fun. No. Not easy <laughs> at all. Ever. All right. Well, uh, sorry. <laughs> looking, right. At, looking at the clock, um, we are actually we're running some time. This is uh, we're almost we're like the forty minute mark, maybe thirty minute. Some cream seer, cream seer, cream seer. Yeah, yeah. Nate's got a been new waiting technique. all day. Nate's got, yeah, have you heard been, about Tarver, this you've cream seering? Half an hour, Tarver. We've no. been waiting a half an hour. It's long enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Nate said he had a new topic to tell us about that Tarver and I are completely blindsided by, which never heard of this. Honestly, between two dorks like Tarver and I, it's not every day that somebody has a cooking technique that either one of us has heard, have heard of at all. But if it ever is going to happen, it's probably going to be goddamn Nate. So Nate, tell us <laughs> what you've tell us what you've discovered. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't, I'm very, always very hesitant to give people like the idea that they invented something, but this is where I was made aware of this is uh, the ideas and food guys, uh, the blog, and they've got a few books. Um, you know, I don't yeah. know. I've picked up a few tricks from them. I really oh, yeah. like the way they think about food though. Yeah. Anyways, it's called, um, they call it cream searing. So like what you do, like I've done eggs, I've done like really lean proteins, like pork and veal um my buddy my buddy mike he's uh cdc at uh loro in dc or not dc uh dallas um he just it's a new restaurant by aaron franklin and tyson cole 
really cool like asian barbecue place anyways um he told me he was doing um some pork loins in it and it turns out really awesome but i've been doing a lot of eggs but anyways so instead of adding instead of adding fat to the pan or whatever you just pour in a couple tablespoons of um heavy cream and heat it up i crack eggs right in it and once the water boils out and it steams out you get all those beautiful butter fats and milk solids and they start to caramelize and get like crispy and brown it adds all these other little wonderful you know proteins to the maillard reaction so it gets like all these nutty beautiful flavors and especially when it's lean like like a pork chop or something like on the on the surface of it it kind of needs all the help it can get to like yeah, kind of like mayonnaise searing almost, where it like fills in the gaps better, and you well, get honestly, a wonderful crust and this dude, beautiful nuttiness. Brilliant. It's awesome. It sounds like a lot like mayonnaise like When you make stock, you put like milk powder on the bones, and yep. it adds like that little bit of like protein to it. I bet that's Boom. yeah, yeah. Dude, just like I have, that. you I gotta try cream. it. Start messing with it. Like do some root vegetables. Right I thought doing like apples in it or something or dude like, apples. It just makes sense because it's brown butter on steroids. Because like cream is just if you take the difference between cream and butter, cream is just butter with more water and more protein. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in, so when you cook the water out, all that's left is butter with extra protein. So it's extra brown butter. But I think the thing that's really clever about this is if you just took ultra high protein butter, it would burn super fast. Cream has that water to sort of gradually take it there. So as the water's cooking away, they're getting that flat layer of protein. So really you're just- The water acts as a buffer. And then once the water is gone, you've got that perfect protein and fat layer to just put a crispy layer. It makes perfect sense chemically. That's a great idea. So like when you're like sweating and you don't want to color your vegetables, you add a little water in with your fat so it never gets hotter than 212. But once the water boils out, like when you're searing, like you don't really want that water buffer. But once it, so it kind of, it's kind of diminish you know diminishing your results but once the water boils out then you start getting all those other wonderful little solids and proteins that add to what your protein you're trying to crisp up i imagine that's almost like adding water in the oven when you're baking a loaf of bread yes yes. it kind of start it kind of starts it really gentle like the, Mm -hmm. the the moisture can kind of like seep the heat moisture heat can kind of seep through the protein a little bit quicker before the sear actually starts to happen that and it also makes me think of um, Fabican, which is no longer around. Like it was one of his crab uh-huh. courses. It was like a like a piece of king crab with burned cream. I don't know if you guys ever read that book. It was so yes, good. But the burnt the, cream. Yeah, it's and in the book he's like, this is trickier than it sounds, and it absolutely yeah. is. You just boil cream until it's like just about singed. You gotta get it just right, and you get it just right. But it has like this toast kind of like bready nut flavor like i wonder if like that is kind of what's happening here too like if, like and you I've, say like i've done that by accident huh i've done that by accident oh yeah yeah, you yeah. I've, done it, I've, I've, done it, I've done it i've done it by accident plenty of times i was super pissed it's, like, well, it's ah, not crap. oh no, no it's fine it's fine it's fine oh well, that's interesting <laughs> yep. I'll you, bet got, that's you gotta watch it yeah it's just like brown butter like brown butter goes from great to shit real quick so, but you gotta yeah. So you, when you do the cream sear, are you doing like, is it enough to create like a salt? So- you say, did you say it's just like a few tablespoons of cream? So it's really not. So that like, much. say you're say you're cooking like four four fried eggs, like a couple tablespoons. If you're gonna do like a bigger pork chop, maybe you know, 
four or five tablespoons let it boil out and just kind of glaze it you know it takes a little give and take and you know it's like there is that detriment of like that added water in the beginning. So it kind of steams your chop a little bit in the beginning, which isn't ideal, but once it boils out, it totally makes up for, you know, whatever kind of steam kind of on the surface area. And could you do crisps. a, could you, a you, said, you said lighter proteins, like is where you would, is that on purpose? Like we did. Yeah, you need I, to avoid I've, been, I've just been messing with the leaner ones just cause it makes more sense in my brain, but um, they demoed um, like a, freaking t-bone on their ideas in food and it looked fantastic the crust on it looked fantastic really yeah so like a really good you know i i don't know just like doing like a veal chop and it makes more sense to me you know like a milk fed veal milk seared you know or like pork and milk is amazing like something like halibut i can see Ooh, being yep yeah well, i don't know there's a lot of ideas it's just a really cool uh technique I've artichokes but artichokes, artichokes. Things that, that, that's things that would go good with like so Perhaps. the end result like flavor wise is like a toasty brown like toasty butter kind of additional mm -hmm. flavor yep yep exactly you know milk oh. jam dolce de leche kind of thing it gets all jammy and well I, de I definitely have an activity for this week you gotta baby it a little bit sometimes though and if it's starting to get a little too brown either like you know lift it off the burner or add another splash kind of okay I don't know. It's 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 tricky. You gotta be that's the, visual. That's what's but... beautiful about a new technique, man. It's fun to play around with. Yep. Yeah, this, yeah, this, this is will awesome. consume me for months. You know, yep. you know yeah, what? it's I've been messing with it the last couple months. I got some pictures. I'll put up on the blog. Oh, do it. Nice. Yeah, send, send me pictures. Uh, I'll put it all. I'll put it up there together. And the uh, eggs gonna, are phenomenal. I'm gonna start coming up with a milk seared dish or a cream seared dish soon. You know what? It kind of makes me think of is uh, in the Opied Cochon cookbook. If you guys, oh, yeah. uh, speaking of non-traditional things to sear in, when you think about cream, what you need to sear is just something that's hotter than water, something that gets hotter than water. And fat right. is really the only thing we've got. And cream, ultimately, when it comes right down to it, you're still searing in fat. But when it comes to non-standard things to sear in, did you guys see the maple scrambled eggs he did? Yes. Maple, maple fried eggs. So you yeah. Just, take, you take maple syrup and you cook it. Is that it in the maple, the sugar shack one? Or I the, can't or remember which one it's in. I think it's in, it would make sense that it's in the Sugar Shack one just because that's like the maple in everything cookbook. Yeah. By the way, everyone, if you don't have a copy of Sugar Shack by Martin Picard, it's not my problem. You need it. It's a, uh, it's, it's expensive and amazing. <laughs> you need it's it. It's expensive. It's like 75 it, bucks, but it's worth, oh, maybe it's more like 50. Actually, I remember it's 50 because, or I can't remember. I'll put it, I'll put a link up on the, uh, on the blog, but I remember it's bigger and cheaper than the other one because the, uh, the original one, the album was self-published. He sells it at the restaurant, whereas Sugar Shack, the album did well enough that he got some publishing money. So Sugar Shack actually came out on a publisher. I'll fact check all this because I'm making stuff up as I go along. But um, Sugar Shack is a bigger book for less money. And it still has all the gross little like caveman and pig cartoons. And like yeah. uh, Sugar Shack definitely has more uh, like bikini clad strippers covered in maple syrup than any 10 cookbooks in my collection put together. For sure. Uh, but isn't uh, like the in the rest like the sugar shack itself it's only open for like a few months or a couple yeah, it's months a, it's a pop-up it's a seasonal pop-up at his maple yeah, stand uh, really but cool. what they do this book is everything you can do with maple syrup and it's not just maple syrup what it really does tells you is things that you can do with different types of sugar it's it's all about the possibilities of sugar so like a lot of the 
a lot of the, uh, the, the ratios won't work and the temperatures will be different, but it gets you used to thinking of the idea of sugar as a really malleable substance that has a lot of potential to do different things. Um, in this case, it's all maple, um, but it's great for inspiration, even if you don't have access to like $50,000 worth of maple syrup to, to do your dishes like this guy does. But what yeah. he does, his maple, maple fried eggs, is he just takes the maple syrup, takes it down to where like the water's pretty much gone from it and it's just about to start to darken and then cracks a couple of eggs in it and fries them like that with some salt. Serve up next to some bacon and sausage. I was like, that is amazing. And at first, and second, I can I tell like, you firsthand, it works. Oh, you Magic. tried it? Yeah. Oh, on a piece of that. brioche, dude, on brioche, it was phenomenal. And this is this is why this is awesome. Lateral thinking. Like, oh no, we did foss crackle. Have you ever had the the bread the foss crackle on? It's like this friend. It's like it's like brioche, but it has like chunks of pearl sugar and orange rinds and orange zest in it. Uh, oh, the pearl like the uh, the Belgian waffle. Like the, the same the, sugar the the liege liege. Yeah, liege. Yeah, the liege, liege waffles. waffles. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Nathan Shapiro, when he was in France, like he, he got up early in the morning and it was like the entire village just smelled of like sugar and citrus. And like <laughs> they were just making this bread called Foss Cracklon. It's like these little loaves of brioche, basically like a little bit sweeter of a brioche, but it has like the crunches of sugar and citrus in it. But we did the maple Ooh. fried eggs on it. It was freaking awesome. Nice save, nice save. Nice, yeah, she's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's no, crazy I, just the differences in temperature and stuff it can just make a huge difference and just different like how we, like how malleable sugar is and there's just so many forms and we experimented when we were at woodlands with using that um it's basically cocoa butter as well like micro or something it's basically yes just like i love cream, searing in that stuff yeah you know, but cocoa you like, fat cocoa fat yeah yep. and you like season it however you want and then just like dredge a piece of meat in it and just you know right on a pan and then it, it worked out pretty good super high smoke point yeah. almost no flavor yeah 10 times uh, as expensive as butter yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep. um yeah. awesome well i know the thing is i think this is what makes this is what makes like innovative thinking great there's so many lateral thinking ideas from the super unscientific like let's put mashed potatoes on a hot dog bun and then build a gigantic over-the-top meal on top of it like that's a nuts idea uh, and then occasionally you get nuts for its own sake, which is like the Kuma's Corner Burger. But then sometimes you'll get a crazy idea that it just turns into like the next big thing. I mean, I remember when I heard about caramelized white chocolate, my first thought was, well, that's stupid. And then, oh man, now you can my, buy it. My knee, yeah, really? Valrona yeah. makes one. Yep. But my knee jerk reaction was roast chocolate? Just I mean, the I've white. Had, I've had chocolate that was roasted. And no, ro rose like R O S E. Oh yeah, yeah, I've had that. Oh, yeah, so with the cocoa bean that is like it's like a certain ripeness. Yep, and they, they capture the flavor. Yeah, yeah, I can't wrap my mind around how to use that, but it's it, good. You know, it's messed up about that though. It I, I think it was fruity. Hershey's that patented it, so uh -huh. like no one else can really do yep. it. Yep. Which is kind of a pain. I think that's the way the story went. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's Calibo. Calibo. Or cocoa berry, one of those two. Uh, well, it's it's good. I just can't wrap my mind around how to use it. It's I mean, so I mean, unique. It's, we we played around with it a little bit, and like it's really just kind of like just using either like a really really uh, milky chocolate or white chocolate. Like it's mm -hmm. not. Uh, what do they like, call it? Like ruby or something? Or I rose feel like it's got a, it's rose. got a fruitiness to it. It's got a certain fruitiness. It to does it have fruit that quality. the uh, the other chocolates don't have. Neither white nor dark really has that. Mm -hmm. I always yeah. thought that might be some quality that 
that you know immature cocoa beans started to have that maybe got buried in the roasting process as they're taking it dark that was always kind of my theory i never actually used the stuff uh just uh swanky had a bag of it uh in his uh, kitchen at uh, Burwell's, and I would just like steal it at all times. Um, the yuzu from Valrona and the passion fruit. Oh my god, that is real. Yuzu, awesome. Like yuzu chocolate. Yeah, yeah it's they, like yuzu infused chocolate, and like there's a passion fruit one. Passion fruit oh, and chocolate. My I god, am sold. weren't they white chocolates? Those two. Yeah, I think they're both white based, but I man, always, I always bought. They taste good. But I always kind of wondered if you couldn't do the same thing with just like cap fruit puree and white chocolate. Like if they're, but it just seems like probably it seems like that was you know chocolate's a fussy little bitch though. Uh, I I get that I get that, and that's probably true. <laughs> that way you can sub it you can sub it into um sub it into things like ganache at a one to one ratio. So yeah, okay. Exactly. If I, I'm thinking like a pastry chef, there is value there. I just uh, uh, to my savory chef brain that that sounded kind of like truffle mustard, where it's like if I wanted to make mm-hmm. truffle mustard, I just make truffle mustard. I wouldn't need to buy a jar of truffle mustard. But when you make the point that the stuff is designed to melt like chocolate, designed to temper like chocolate, then oh, yes, it works absolutely. Perfectly. That it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Value, value added, flavored white chocolate. That absolutely makes sense. Uh, I, I think if I if I was a, if I was actually a pastry chef, I would have immediately clicked on why that was a good thing. You know, because you can <laughs> you can yeah. rub you can rub truffles in it. Whereas if you put passion fruit puree in your white chocolate, your white chocolate is like, ah, you thought I was hard to temper before. <laughs> Not happening, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, look it up at the clock. We cool. are coming up on our allotted time limit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which is sad because this All is a right. great conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's always yeah. so great, man. Um, but I think I enjoy it. I don't care I'm if anybody force, listens or not. I, I have fun. <laughs> I'm gonna force Logan to listen. I, I feel like this this was a good discussion of innovation and in cuisine across the board. I, I, I like it's funny because we accidentally seem to land on a theme. Yeah, <laughs> just happened naturally, man. So to anyone listening, uh, that little conversation we just had was staged, and I'm gonna go ahead and put the beginning in the title: discussion of innovations in cuisine. And then it'll just appear that we thought about this after we already had the conversation. Did not. I'll, I'll either, I'll it is either, a lie. I'll either fix all this in post-production or I won't, because that's hard. <laughs> Honesty is the best policy. We don't right, have well, any secrets. That's true. We really, really don't. <laughs> the stuff I edit out. The one thing, the one secret we have here on Hot Dogs and Caviar is that Nate and I are not as smart as we sound. I know we don't sound that smart. But if yes, I play you, you if I play you some unedited mixes, there'd be a lot of uh or like a long digression. <laughs> and then one of us is like, you know what? I don't think I should actually say that. That's usually me. Nate's a lot of one. a lot of pronunciation issues. <laughs> Nate's the one that'll have a couple of false starts before he figures out what he wants to say. My thing <laughs> is I'll just start going and then realize at the end, like, yeah, I can't, I can't use that or we'll get blacklisted. <laughs> <laughs> You keep saying that. I mean, like, I've heard some pretty out there podcasts. I mean, what kind Dude, of? Dude, I've got some outtakes that would curl your hair. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it. I know you very well. I don't doubt that at all. What I, I just don't know what like the limitations are. One of these days, one of these days, we'll get like a Patreon set up and we'll put up a supercut of just all this stuff that we couldn't use because it was just too awful, and we'll sell it to the, <laughs> sell it to our patrons for like five bucks once we get enough people to actually make that worth the time. <laughs> Like, Aaron, contribute five bucks so you can hear everything that Nate, Jesse, and Tarver said. That was... 
All right, guys, uh, this we're gonna have to get out of this. Uh, TK, <laughs> TK, always a pleasure. I love you guys, man. Oh, Thank love you, you guys. This, these conversations yeah. are fantastic. Nate, watch Pig. We got to do this. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll 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 get through it. It's been a great pleasure having you all. Uh, we're gonna be back with our uh, with our three way review of the uh, Nicolas Cage film Pig next week. You said three way. I did. I really did. And then Tarver laughed really loud. I don't know what you guys think is so funny. Uh, I don't get it. Uh, I'm an adult. Stadium seating. The only only way in which you and I are adults is in the adult bookstore sense of the word. Uh, With life like hair. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, this is just devolving into chaos. Uh, I'm going to let Speakeasy play us out of here. Our special guest has been Tarver Super King King. Hey! Jesse, uh, the waitress Cobra Sutton. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I guess I'm never getting away from that. All right. I am the uh, the mouth of the South, aka the waitress cobra, Jesse Sutton. Uh, my partner is Nate. It's really easy to make me vomit, plus I'm bald whiting. And uh <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we will see all of you next week. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you. Cheers, y'all. Love you, dude. All right. Love you, too, man. My little darling, my little sister. Come on, baby, just keep your head up. Come on, baby, just keep your head up.